This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Tuesday here on the Steve Day Show podcast on Westwood One. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. We would love it if you would join us or let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook as well. Uh, Steve Dace, just look me up. Follow me on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Our show here each day. Powered by CRTV. We just concluded production for today's CRTV show. Let's give the audience a preview of what's coming up today on CRTV. It is all Brett Kavanaugh, the new Supreme Court nominee and likely justice all the time, Todd. Well, it's to me, it's just another chapter in the book uh, titled uh, GOP, Get Used to Disappointment, uh, which is not a, even... A direct commentary in any way on Kavanaugh himself. It's simply a commentary on uh, being able to capitalize. Not every moment in a football game is the same. Some are bigger than others. Uh, some have uh, more potential to be capitalized on in a big way. This happened to be uh, one of them more than before uh, with Neil Gorsuch. And uh, as Steve has aptly put uh, multiple times, we got a punt. Go team. Aaron. Yeah, this is this is the this is the GOP slogan. Please clap. That is that is team GOP all the way. Uh watch us just punt. Uh watch us just appeal to the lowest common denominator, what's easiest to us, and then please clap every other November. Well, we said more than that, although we did say that. <laughs> so we said more than that. If you want to know what all we said. Today is your day to subscribe to CRTV. Use my name as a promo code DACE. It will cost you just a quarter a day, 25 cents a day, to watch our show on CRTV as well as all of the other great programs, including the great one, Mark Levin himself. CRTV.com, promo code DACE. All right, gentlemen, to the podcast. And it is a Pop Culture Tuesday. And this week... One of the great milestones in pop, in, in pop culture history of my lifetime was reached. With the release of Ant-Man and the Wasp, the Marvel Cinematic Universe completed its first decade run. And it's a cinematic universe that if we go back to its origin, it, it was something they aspired to. But it wasn't the original plan when they made the first Iron Man. In fact, that scene at the end, the, the, the post-credit scene, where Nick Fury comes in and throws down the file that says Avengers Initiative, was just kind of meant as a cool Easter egg. And it was a gleam in Marvel and Kevin Feige's eye. But it wasn't always a plan. Until Iron Man took off. 
And the way the first Iron Man movie ends, where he outs himself, which right away signals a paradigm shift. No alter egos, no secret you know, identities. An out-in-the-public superhero, which kind of signaled right away, this is going to be different than what we are used to seeing. And, and they built a cinematic universe without several of their A-list characters. When you think of Marvel, the first character you think of is Spider-Man, right? Marvel did not have the film rights to him. Next character you probably think of, you might think of the Incredible Hulk. They sort of had the film rights to him, but they actually had to share him with another studio. That's really why you haven't seen another Incredible Hulk film since the one, the Incredible Hulk, that came out the same year as Iron Man. That's why they haven't made another one. They contractually can't make one right now that he is the star of. That's why he can only be an um, ensemble player. After that, you probably think of like the Fantastic Four, the X-Men. These were cartoon staples when we were growing up in the 80s and 90s, Todd. They were, were always, there was always one of those two was always on Saturday mornings, right? Yeah. They're not owned. Marvel doesn't have the cinematic rights to them. And so they, they had to build character. They had to build a shared universe with what to most of America were not named characters. Thor. Not a name character to most of America. Not even Iron Man. You know, kind of a, he had a cheesy cartoon in the mid '90s that was on for like two years, and other than that, you got to go to like the '60s when Marvel used to have those stop motion animation cartoons when they first came out with all these characters. You know, um, Captain America. Somebody's everybody's heard of Ant Man. What? Yeah, we're doing that. Okay, not to mention a lot of Marvel characters. I know this is verboten to discuss, but a lot of Marvel characters, as great as Stan Lee is, they are, and Steve Ditko, his co-creator who just passed away, a lot of them are derivatives of DC Comics, which is the older brand. So Doctor Strange is a derivative of Doctor Fate. Um, the 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 orphaned billionaire with no superpowers, who builds himself. Um, machinery and equipment that turns him into one. Who is whose story is that? Batman. Who else's story is that? Iron Man. Yeah. Which came first? Batman. By about forty years, yeah, or thirty years, yeah. All right. Um, Thanos is a complete takeoff of Darkseid, who came first. And so, a lot of the characters that we have witnessed that have become household names were not when they went to the silver screen and were actually derivatives of, off of characters that had long existed in the American conscience. And yet, they managed to pull something off that had never been done. A shared universe where they kept an overarching narrative together for 10 years and 20 films that did not have all the same directors, by the way. Not even close. Not even close, actually. Only a couple times. Peyton Reed did both Ant-Man films. The Russo brothers did the first, or did Captain America Civil War, and then did Avengers Infinity War and the new Avengers movie. And Joss Whedon did the first two Avengers movies. And those are the only repeat directors, I believe, yeah, have Favreau been did a couple, didn't he? He did the first Iron Man. I don't think he did the second one. I think he's, he starred in them all. As the as the mm-hmm. as the chauffeur character, Happy Hogan, but I think he only directed the very first one. 
and did not direct the other. Shane Black, I know, did Iron Man 3. I don't know if, if John Favreau did Iron Man 2 or not, but I didn't think that he did. But even if he did, that would be about... And then you have the, the same guy who did the two Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Okay? But that also means you have to incorporate all these different directors and their visions into an overwhelming vision. Or, I'm sorry, into an overarching vision. And it was overwhelming in the best possible yes, sense. Yes, It was Favreau. He did both. He did both the first two. Okay. Before we get into the rest of this, I think we should just stop right there and comment on what they managed to do here from a storytelling, from a craftsmanship. Um, it's rare that you get to see something in your lifetime and you're like, we'd never seen that before, right? And... This is, I think, for Aaron's generation, this is your Star Wars. Meaning, when Star Wars first rolled out, and trilogy, we didn't, no, no one heard the term trilogy before. Mm-hmm. When Star Wars first rolled out, we, you, the world, I don't know what you think, I knew at four or five years old, the world's, this is, everything's much different now. It changed everything. Oh, yeah. And that's what the Marvel Cinematic Universe did is it's the next evolution of what George Lucas did in the 70s where so many other science fiction films and special effects films, the blue screen, which is now green screen technology, the blue screen technology that Industrial Light and Magic basically created, they invented it to make the Death Star real and those sorts of things in 1976. All, a lot of what we see today comes out of the success of what Lucas spawned. And I think we're seeing that now with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's the next it's the next evolution in popular American storytelling, Todd, in my view. And all the more impressive because what you mentioned about what came before it, uh, F- Fantastic Four, failure, uh, the X-Men, uh, I've really... Uh, enjoyed a lot of movies uh within that uh saga uh i think some are far better than others but but in terms of the the continuity uh because of a lot of the uh there's a time elements and everything it's i can't sit there off the top of my head and think about like the coherence of all the movies together and there's actually i finally went back and read a website once and it's you you almost have to be on a PhD level in terms of movie understanding to to understand, and I don't even think they've squared the, the managed to square the circle. Uh, but here, there, as you said, twenty movies, the level of coherence to the point that again, it's it's not just understanding intellectually the connective tissue, mm-hmm. you, but emotionally. I mean, the, you 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 care about these characters, and you keep caring. Uh, despite the fact that you think you're, you're not going to. There's mm-hmm. a precedent set for only being able to care so much with some of these comic book stuff. And again, to your chagrin, uh, coming uh, even though they came first, the movie's now coming after the fact with Warner Brothers, and you're, you're, you're lamenting how they're not being able to pull it off. Somehow, these guys set the bar as high as possible and they reached it. I, and we're going to talk about the list. You and I were talking off air before. And you look at that list. And the, the movie, that I won't say it, but the movie you have at the bottom, uh, it's it's not terrible. 
it's got problems that you can call terrible, but there's mm-hmm. not a movie if it comes across on cable that you and I watch. Say, this is fun, and, and you can't. We can't say this about Star Wars, Steve. We I, there's yeah, movies. There's no I fan will, of menace on no, this list. No, I will like. Can guys, uh, I can't. Can you guys imagine a situation where in the last ten years, Star Wars had come out with twenty plus films, all set in the same right. universe along the same timeline, with the kind of quality and story tropes that they've used in the first two of this new trilogy? If they had done twenty of those films in the last ten years, somebody like me walks into the theater to watch the culmination of those twenty plus yep. films. Uh, has only seen a third of those films and is still under, able to understand the story. I cannot see myself doing uh, being able to do that with the Star Wars the way they're currently constructed and, right now. And there's no way uh, before this whole thing started, if we said what, what's more likely to happen in terms of just producing movie after movie that at least is just solid... Uh, you, there's no way we would have predicted it would have been the Marvel Universe over Star Wars. There's n- We would have taken Star Wars in a heartbeat about the guaranteed yep. success. It might not be great, but it's going to be fun because it's Star Wars. And we aren't even... It, it's not even close. No, others are trying it. You mentioned Warner Brothers. They've had mis- mixed success. Wonder Woman was a tremendous success. Man of Steel was a big success. Um, people loved Ben Affleck's Bat- uh, takeoff on Batman because they thought it was the closest to what they see in the currently popular Arkham video games. But they did not, they they found uh, Dawn of Justice, Batman versus Superman, too dark. Didn't like Justice League at all, you know? Um, so the, the DC universe with characters that are far more better known, The Flash, which has been in about 20 minutes of the DC cinematic universe so far, is a hundred times more known than Thor and Iron Man to the average American. Okay, um, Green Lantern, which was the film that preceded the DC Cinematic Universe that everybody pans, is far better known than Thor and Iron Man to the average American household. And yet, with those built-in legacies, they have had a stagnant start where it seems like every other film they get right, and right when you think they have figured it out, the next one comes out and you're like, what are they doing here? It's been disjointed, right? Um, then you look at Universal last year, tried to do this. One of Universal's oldest properties is they own all the old monster films, which was really the first shared universe in Hollywood history back in the 30s and 40s mm-hmm. with Bela Lugosi right. and Boris Karloff and Lon Chaney Jr., right. where they would appear in each other's movies. Yeah. And at first they were horror movies, and then they brought in Abbott Costello and they became comedies, yeah. right? But that was really the first true shared universe in American cinematic history. And so these are characters that have even more legacy than the DC characters do. I mean, how many movies have been made about Dracula sure. and Frankenstein or, and, and derivative stories from there, right? Those are those are the closest we have in, in those are some of, those are like, Dracula's like a Beowulf to modern Western civilization in terms of the, the zeitgeist sure. or Frank, Frankenstein that sure, they touch on. that's a on. good way of putting it. And yet, they go get an A-list star in Tom Cruise, arguably the most bankable star of the last 30 years in Hollywood, okay? And they try to launch a shared universe, and they bring in another very bankable star in Russell Crowe, and they try to launch a shared universe last summer with The Mummy, and it was an unmitigated disaster. I saw the movie. It was dreadful. And now they were they were just getting ready to roll cam- had the cameras roll on the next film Bride of Frankenstein and they've shut it down. They may not even continue their shared universe. This is not easy to do. It is not. And <clears throat> I think what 
Hey, you mentioned we've rebooted uh, Spider-Man yes. three times, and not for the good reasons like Batman, because it's just so good and done well. This it, They kept getting it. Right. Eh. And I think that's, where I, that's the point I was going to make is there's two things I think that have helped Marvel. One is Kevin Feige having one guy who's clearly the head coach, who's the Bill Belichick of the operation, if you will. And you can, when I hire you to be the defensive coordinator and the offensive coordinator, you're coordinating that. I'm not calling your plays, but I'm also going to tell you what plays you can and cannot call. Here are what the boundaries are. Here's my overall vision for the franchise. If you can execute that within my vision, you have maximum freedom. You cannot go outside that vision. You cannot do as much as I love The Last Jedi, and I know you two don't. And I know from fanboys, you're in the majority and I'm not, okay? But I understand why you don't like it because they let Ryan Johnson do whatever he wanted to do. Why, why when we get to the list, why is Iron Man 3 last on my list? Because of all the films on this list, it was the one they allowed the director to take the most liberties with the character with. And they turned Tony Stark into essentially a whiny metrosexual whose girlfriend has to baby him, has to baby him and bail him out and be the hero at the end. Uh, and um, they took one of the great villains in Marvel history in the Mandarin, turned him into a politically correct clown and a caricature. And the and even the after credit scene is just in case you didn't get enough of Tony Stark whining all the way through Iron Man three, yeah. the first two hours. We need an after credit scene where he whines one more time. Watch. Tony Stark, the way he's portrayed in Iron Man 3 up against all the other portrayals of Tony Stark. Dramatically different. And that's why the film's last on my list. It's the one where they gave the director the most creative freedom and he damn near ruined not just the main, the titular character of the entire MCU, but he absolutely ruined one of the best villains in the history of the MCU. Are we starting talking about the list now? Well, that, but, but my point is, yes. that's what the DC universe has done the whole way. You go watch. You go watch uh, the Suicide Squad. It doesn't look or feel anything like Man of Steel, and not just you know Doctor Strange has trippy visuals, and but it, it you feel like you're watching a Marvel movie, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Black Panther has more urban chic cool, and Doctor Strange has trippy visuals, but you know you're watching a Marvel movie. When you watch Suicide Squad, which my family loved, but a lot of people did not, when you watch Suicide Squad and you watch Man of Steel, do those films look to you like they belong in the same universe? No, because I, and that's why I've never even seen uh, Suicide Squad, because it just doesn't, I mean, I, I love the larger narrative, the cohesiveness, mm-hmm. um, and it, I, I trust you when you tell me it's not there and I don't even bother. When you watch Iron Man 3, it is different than all the other films of the MCU. It's Shane, it's Shane Black's Iron Man. It's not the Iron Man movie of the MCU. And that's why it's the worst movie, I think. And it's not even close, actually. It's the worst movie. Um, and it's not because it's not a well-made movie. It's not an MCU movie. Like, if that had been, like, the first Iron Man movie and it was his interpretation and we had nothing else to go on, you wouldn't be nearly as offended by it. But they deconstruct Tony Stark in the movie. They deconstruct a a titular Marvel villain in the movie as opposed to what they do in the rest of the series. And that's why it stands out. That's happened all throughout the DCU. What I also think may have helped, other than Kevin Feige's genius... 
and or ruthlessness. The fact that they didn't have several of these main characters right from the start, like, let me use an analogy. When you're the 199th pick in the NFL draft, like Tom Brady was, I mean, everybody's working hard, okay? I mean, it's rare. Every now and then you get a guy like a Jamarcus Russell who's the number one overall pick and just doesn't give a rip. But that guy doesn't largely exist, okay? It's really hard to get to that level and not care, right? But when you're Tom Brady and you're the 199th pick, you're going to do an extra rep of 15 because you're the 199th pick and not the ninth pick. Which means the guy who's the ninth pick or the number one pick is going in there because he's got a level of natural ability that everybody recognizes. And all he needs to do is he needs to, he needs to condition his body to exploit his natural ability. Tom Brady needs to fashion his body to enhance his natural ability. There's a difference, okay? So he's got to do everything extra because he's not bringing the same things to the table Ben Roethlisberger was when he came out of college by a long shot. Same thing's true in storytelling. When you have a character like Iron Man that is not a household name and is not even a first-tier character in your own comic book universe, you know, you know, I have to tell a great story. I can't just, you know, the old saying, it's the saying with like a team like in Alabama, just throw our helmets out there and we win. You can't just throw Superman's cape out there and no, or Batman's cowl out there and no, I'm going to open, I'm going to get $150 million opening weekend one because I, I got Batman's cowl out there. Iron Man doesn't get that audience. You've got you've to show them. You need unique casting like Robert Downey Jr., for example. Oh, that's more than unique. That's transcendent. I mean, it's, yes. Would we be talking about this no. at all if it wasn't for him? You need the guy. You need the guy whose last film was Elf. To who 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 I think made the best Christmas movie of like the last thirty years. Okay, but now you're going to say, hey, you're going to go from Elf. You're going to be in charge of my comic book universe. You're going to launch it, all right? Because I saw in Elf, you know how to tell a story. Um, you know how, you you know how to make mystical, mythological characters natural and human without taking away what it is that makes them special, okay? You can make them relatable while they're still special. You need to make sure you do that when you're making Iron Man, when you're making Thor. When you're making Spider-Man, you're like, well, everybody knows Spider-Man, so when do we put the Green Goblin in? You know what I'm saying? Right. Here, you've got to construct a character, and that, on one hand, gives you a certain amount of freedom, because if you don't put the Mandarin in the first Iron Man movie, nobody loses. The, there's there's not seventy five websites losing their poop on YouTube. If you don't put Lex Luthor in the first Superman movie or the Green Goblin in the first, you know, Spider Man movie, literally. 13-year-old boys are lighting themselves on fire on Instagram, and MSNBC's knocking on, why did you force them to do that? That's mm-hmm. the world that you're in, okay? That's what Lucas is saying. Why should you even make any more Star Wars movies? We can't please anybody anymore, you know? Now, it's kind of a false choice, because all Lucas had to do was not ever create Jar Jar Binks. I know what the hell he was doing the first trilogy, and with a prequel trilogy, we wouldn't be here today, but he made those mistakes, and that's why we're here today, okay? But... 
when when you when you're doing Iron Man and Thor, you neither a have those restrictions, but b you know I have I've got to do more. I've got to put more effort in here because I don't have a built-in base of audience for these guys. And so the craftsmanship's got to be great. And I think you saw that in the way they launched these films. When you go back and watch the first Captain America movie, how great of a job they do as a period piece. It's a period piece. Putting you in that time period. And it's funny because most of the movie, you feel like you're a man at a time. You're you're watching a time that's, that's so innocent and idealistic that you don't feel like you belong. And then how's the movie end? You know, the after credits scene, he wakes up in the 21st century. Now he's the man out of time and time that's more graded and cynical and he doesn't belong. But you take this journey with him. They just nailed it the whole way. And and I'm not sure if they had had Spider-Man, Fantastic Four and X-Men there the whole time. That it, they that they it's the old Sparky, my old baseball manager for the Tigers, Sparky Anderson. Give me nine pretty good players that are all in their option year. Yeah. And I will win the pennant every single time. Okay. Meaning I don't need I don't need an all-star team. Give me nine pretty good players that have a contract year coming up, and what are they gonna do? Right? Um what's what Joe Flacco didn't take the big deal from the Ravens, gambled on himself, won the Super Bowl, got a huge contract. What has he done since? Right. Nothing. Done nothing since. And and so because they didn't have Spider-Man and X-Men and, and Fantastic Four, they had kind of had to take the dirt road here with Thor and Iron Man and Ant-Man and realized these characters cannot stand on their own. We're going to have to make them great. And guys, that's what they did. Amen. Thank, I'm thankful that they did because uh, we've seen a lot of mediocrity in the uh, genre and it's, its ability to um, take real life issues mm-hmm. and combine them uh with the heroics of superheroes uh it's felt um contemporary and escapist at the same time it's it, and it's just great i mean it's what going to the movies and buying popcorn is supposed to be about it's just it's just fun what do you think Cameron? aaron you know i'm uh i'm glad that they can take these seemingly minor characters from comic books and make them interesting that seems to be uh the mark of of good writing uh, capable writing at the very least because when you do when you go to the movies especially for a marvel movie a superhero movie uh, you want you want it to be um you you want more action than a good story and if it has a good story on top of great action uh then that makes it a great film uh but it's harder to do with some of these lesser known characters so i'm glad they're able to do that what number are we on on the list by the way we're going to the list right now okay we're a half hour in (laughs) all right so i have ranked all of the marvel movies one through 20 over the last 10 years and what i'm going to do is i'm going to go through the list starting from the bottom and work our way to the top and you guys tell me if it doesn't have to be exactly where you would put it, but if you're if you're generally okay with where it's at. And then I want us to d- briefly discuss what contemporary issues these films tackled. Because some of them tackled, blatantly tackled contemporary issues. Others, not so much. Okay? So we'll start with number 20. My worst film of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which we've already discussed, and I've, I've shared why. Iron Man 3. 
And what I hated about it was it, it was essentially like, what if the same people who did the Purge movies, the same little social justice warrior trolls who do the Purge movies, did a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, this is the movie they would have done. They deconstructed all of Tony Stark's masculinity. They turned him into a whining metrosexual the entire way through. And then they, then they teased one of the great villains of the Marvel comic universe. And remember, the trailers built him up to be like Osama bin Laden. And we were watching the trailers and we were like, dude, they nailed it. That's exactly what the Mandarin is, right? And then you get to the movie and it's a freaking clown show the whole way through, okay? I, this is where I would differ with Todd. I hate this movie with the heat of a thousand suns. I, I, the only, you would have to tape my eyelids open in a Russian gulag to get me to watch this movie again. I hate it like I hate Jar Jar Binks. Wow. Yeah, I don't... Uh, I, I remember... Why, I thought it was a flawed uh, but fun movie. I, 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 I And I come at all this where Steve is a authentic comic book geek. Uh, I am not. I, I read sometimes when i was a kid but i don't i never had a collection or anything like that so i don't uh know of the bad steve uh, regularly i mean before every movie comes out i will go to steve like can you you bring me up to speed on some of the geekiness i should know about this um here's i i i do think that i the theme the contemporary issue and it's all the way through is, is tony's transformation and uh the the toll it takes on him emotionally and psychologically that's there in the second movie where you know the 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 physical Mm -hmm. aspect of him being bro- here it's there i i just don't think i think they didn't bring it all the way around to where they should have he he did just become vacillating and weak um at the end the whole gwyneth paltrow thing i thought was stupid i loved the green goblin thing but i i understand that if some people think that's heresy and he could have been much cooler as being authentic i just thought that it was a fun uh interesting mandarin twist. thing you mean i'm sorry yeah. the mandarin thing the, the mandarin thing that I, was I, something that fox screwed up the green goblin the first time yes. they screwed that up too but that's another story um but i did i didn't have any problem with him like coming really having to deal with what it means to be a hero i mean tony was getting by his whole life uh on ego and uh i i i liked the general tale but i thought they executed it weekly aaron i didn't see this one so i i don't really have much to say don't say it. it's terrible yeah all right next on my list now the rest of these movies i'm where you are i don't dis really dislike any of these movies i just had to rank them in sure. some particular sure. order so n- next up most people have this movie the worst of the marvel cinematic universe although it does have some very key plot points in advancing the overall narrative of of the mcu thor the dark world if it accomplished nothing else it got rid of what's her face's annoying character okay natalie portman's annoying character who was just um you know uh, uh, an open sore in every movie she appeared in if nothing else we got to retire her but um there was some the villains were terrible but i love the interact this to me the interaction between thor and loki is great in this movie. Your thoughts, Todd? This probably would have been my last movie just because it's entirely unmemorable to me. I can't. I can hardly tell you anything about no. it. I've only seen it once. And, I, and the only reason I can remember is it was just on K or it was on Directv the other day, and I just watched it again. And and I had actually forgotten like everything I saw when I first saw it in the theater. To your point, so I watched ten minutes of this movie and then I fell asleep. <laughs> Millennials. <laughs> I think it's just. I had me. to play Fortnite. I, I have not played. Well, I, that's another topic. But uh, yeah, it's. I just. It was boring, like a lot of things are at ten o'clock on a Friday night. 
Next on my list, number 18, Iron Man 2, which um, isn't a terrible movie. It just, it's not memorable. It didn't really leave me with anything. Again, I didn't like the villain here with Mickey uh, with uh, Mickey Rourke um, as, as Whiplash. Another example where they took a classic villain from the comic books and um, he's just not as compelling uh, as he was when you were in the comics as a kid. I think, see, I think I might have actually, if I'd have to watch him back uh, again, but I think I might actually put three in terms of my enjoyment uh, over two. Um, but th- this is all, mo- all the more remarkable that now in the bottom three, you have the two Iron Man movies. Let me give you-, you two words why Iron Man 2 is better than Iron Man 3. Sure. Okay. Scarlet O'Hara. Thank you. Johansson, you mean? Or Johansson. Did I say O'Hara? Sorry. Fair enough. Scarlett Johansson. They, and don't edit that see? out. People should laugh at that because I'm getting old, okay? Scarlett Johansson, I rest my case. I, I, it's, Frankly, Scarlett O'Hara would be a much better reason to watch than Iron Man 3 while we're on that topic as but well. But it's all the more fascinating because of what we said about how important Robert Downey Jr. is to this entire saga. And you, because of that, you can argue and make because of your George Washington argument, you can argue, you can arguably say Iron Man 1 is the most important movie the sure be, out could. of all of them. Sure you could. Sure, it's not the best movie, I don't think, but it's absolutely the most yeah. important. If it was not a hit... Yeah. We wouldn't be having yeah. this conversation yeah. 10 years later. Aaron, in between remember, Fortnite, did you yeah. see this one? Yeah, no, I uh, I do remember staying awake for this one. I do not remember the contents of the movie. I've been a great help on this podcast. Actually, you I have just, been. You I have just actually want you been. To know. You have been so far. All right, number 16, Avengers Age of Ultron. You forgot 17. Uh, or 17, I'm sorry. Ant-Man and the Wasp, which I just saw. I haven't seen it yet, so. All right, so I won't I spoil anything. It. Yep. It's just... It's just it tries to emulate the first one and it and it doesn't do it well. I will say this though. You know, we've we've often mocked the chemistry or lack thereof between Amy Adams and Henry Cavill as Lois Lane and Superman. Like they just don't seem like they belong together at all. You could see Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly together. You she's, could see that. She's awesome. She is awesome. She just is awesome. Yeah. I mean, as bad as the well not, the Hobbit trilogy, just meh, but as the elf warrior princess chick. And she's 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 great as the wasp. Oh, yeah. It's just not as well written. That's all. It's just not as well written. Um and there really aren't the villains here, there's no point to like I, I don't know why Lawrence Fishburne's in this movie. I have no idea. I mean just, now listen, if they were like, dude, Lawrence Fishburne's cool, let's put in a movie. Okay. But if that that's literally like the only reason his character is in this film. There's no other okay. point to it. No other point to it. And there's really no contemporary issues that are tackled here. And it's not I'm hearing all this this is the setup for what's going to happen in the final uh, Avengers There's a lot movie. of speculation that that the quantum what, realm the quantum is the quantum realm key. will be how they will figure out how to defeat or entrap Thanos, one of the two. All right, so now number 16. Avengers Age of Ultron. Um you have this too low. You think I have it too low? Tell me why. Uh, well, but I think I'm in the minority this time. This people, I, I just thought it was a a really uh, good movie. It, uh, people who clearly, I, think, yeah, I agree with you. Again, I just uh, yeah, I, I, know, I know. See, I the, the, I loved Vision when I my yeah. was Vision was one of my favorite characters as a kid. I loved the 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 suit, everything. I, I loved Vision. I loved how they introduced him. Um, I didn't really get. Whedon putting Quicksilver in this movie 
after he was already in, <clears throat> pardon me, X-Men Days of Future Past, which is a great movie, the best movie in the franchise. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that scene that he is that that Quicksilver has in that movie is the is the best scene in the entire film. So I have no idea why Joss Whedon saw that and then thought, well, let me put another version of Quicksilver in my movie. That kind of didn't make any sense to me. Um, I thought I I. I I love James Spader's voice in general. Like I'd listen to I'd listen to Emily Blunt and James Spader just read the phone book to each other. Okay, but um, I I thought his overall performances. I, I didn't think his voice fit with Ultron oh, I as a it. robot. Okay, you liked it more. Than I just that. think that the the narrative that they're clearly building, and this is the one where they the first did it. The Avengers and the first Avengers are the big heroes. The same day, the uh, Ultron is all about collateral damage and starting to plant the the, the the friction that ultimately is between Tony Stark mm-hmm. and Steve Rogers, and it's right there in the middle of this movie. I mean, the superhero uh, created the the weapon that they had to all defeat so that there it's it, it, it's not just all shi- shiny good guys against bad bad guys that you have to be careful with this is peter parker with great uh power comes, power great, comes responsibility. great responsibility yes what do you think aaron I remember bits and pieces of this movie Gosh, because... What, what are you doing here? <laughs> Representing probably huge chunks of our audience would yeah. be my guess. Yes. I, I Steve and I will just talk amongst ourselves now. Um, it's the one where Tony Stark be, it basically uh, creates Minority Report or something like that. Yeah, he creates Skynet. Yeah, Skynet. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Um, Ultron is basically the Terminator. I, yeah. I like the idea of that uh, and the, the, the narrative that um, trading yeah trading freedom for security that's basically what it is yep um, I like that I don't I didn't think it was executed super well because as I said I could only remember bits and pieces of it and when I, what I do remember is being really confused a lot so I don't think they executed it super that is well. a common theme throughout the Marvel Cinematic Universe as we will see is trading liberty for security. Right. Okay. Next on my list, 15, I have The Incredible Hulk. This is the Edward uh, Norton film, which uh, was the second film in the MCU that came out after Iron Man, if I remember right. See, um, my memory is that that's what's amazing, but I don't remember that. I don't consider that part of this. It, seems it has to- that great after credit scene where Tony Stark walks into a bar and General Thunderbolt Ross is sitting there getting drunk because he just got his rear end handed to him by The Incredible Hulk. And he goes, you know, I, I have something that I think can deal with your Hulk problem, and it's the introduction of the Hulkbuster armor, is the after credit scene in that movie. Other than that, though, kind of forgettable. But I haven't seen this movie. And it's because it, I, 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 I was already fatigued. It's why I didn't think this whole thing was going to work. There you was a, like another it. Hulk movie. You remember the Incredible Hulk show when we were kids? Oh, yeah. Well, that- It's very much in that vein, okay? Where he's kind of a drifter, on his own, trying to run away yeah. from this monster inside of him. And Edward, our, Edward Norton is, a, is one of the yeah. best actors of our era. He does a great job. You will but, like this movie. But it came how many years after the Eric Bana version? And yeah. I was just thinking, you, you guys keep Which doing... Which was this panned as the Green Lantern You keep, guys was. keep doing this yeah. to us. I've, the Spider-Man thing, the same... I had just fatigue. I, I didn't think for a second any of this was going to work because of the Hulk movie. All right, I've got Guardians of the Galaxy Volume volume 2 at number 14, Aaron. Too low. It's got to be in the top 10. Think so? Yeah. This this movie... Daddy issues. um, The idea of infinite power. freaking Groot. That's a good point. 
well, it exceeded my expectations, um, and it's a lot of fun. But this is like I would put Ultron before this because Ultron really? is more well, Ultron's more sober. This is a lot of fun, and I also thought, well, partial I, 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 the redeeming of the his sort of dad. What's mm-hmm. his name? Um, the uh, the blue guy. Uh, it's um, Urdu or um, ego. Uh, ego. Thank you. No, it's not. yeah. Ego, the living planet. Yeah. No, 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 no. The the, the guy who adopted it. Oh, was Yondu. Andrew. Yondu. Get yeah. Down and uh, dirty with I, the Bruce that, Go ahead. That was kind of touching, but at the same time, you. This is. I guess it's it works with Darth Vader, but this is a guy who's just slaying everybody with a whistling arrow just two seconds before. I just thought <laughs> it was a little too neat, but the, it's they both exceeded my expectations. Super fun. I they didn't fun. think that was possible. Agreed. Thor, I have it thirteen, and I give it. I I rate it. Maybe higher than it. I, I give it a handicap because I think this was the toughest character to pull off. Why? That's because um, to make him relatable, to make him believable, yeah. integratable. And Chris, everybody knows who Chris Hemsworth is now. Yeah. They did not in 2009. Right. You know, he was best known actually for being in the first ten minutes of J.J. Abrams' oh, yeah. Star Trek reboot. Yeah, and most people didn't realize it was the same guy because oh, he looks totally different. You know, uh, Tom Hiddleston was not. Nobody knew who that guy was yeah. playing Loki. You know, and and so these are they're not even Greek and Roman gods that most Americans know. They're Norse, Scandinavian gods. Okay, pulling this off and making it relatable. And integratable into this. How do you make this guy share a universe with Tony Stark? Yeah. I think that was the toughest pull they had to pull off, other than the film that will end up being number one, and they made it happen. I really liked this movie. Again, it, it exceeded all of my expectations and worked all the ways you talk about. It. And again, I'm in the minority. I don't think anybody hated uh, Thor, but I think Thor is a better movie than Thor Ragnarok. I think that actually emasculated Thor. They were, when they cut his hair and he's whining, don't touch the hair, they took funny way too far. It just, it, it was silly. It was not Thor. What do you think, Aaron? I think this also needs to be higher. Maybe it's just because I remember this movie. Yeah, that's helpful. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking top 10 for this one, too. I've got Ant-Man at 12. Similar reasons as Thor, because um, it's not that he's not relatable or integratable. You have to make me care. Right? You have to make me think, why isn't this derivative of something else that I've seen? Okay? And how slickly the first one is written. How perfectly they integrate the ensemble cast. It is, um, it's a really good piece of filmmaking for a character that it's oh. really difficult to care about. This was my you magnificent bastards moments. I thought there's <laughs> Ant Man. What is this? You finally and that first trailer when they have like got the choo choos whistling. Yes. Did, and I thought this there's no way this is Suckville coming along. And I watched that thing. I was like that was fantastic. And Corey Stoll's Yellow Jacket. The most underrated villain of the MCU, and you see it when you go see Ant-Man and the Wasp, because you know the number one thing this movie is missing? A good villain? That guy. Yeah. Yeah. That villain is the number one thing you're missing. He's really good in this movie. What do you think, Aaron? I did not see this one, or I was asleep, (laughs) but I don't think I saw this one. (laughs) Pokemon Go. Uh, Number 11, Captain America Civil War. And I, it's, I just watched it again recently. It is so good, but yeah. I maintain it's the same movie 
as Winter Soldier with more characters. But man, watching Ant-Man go giant man for the first time, how cool that was. And they, they, when they nailed Spider-Man, you know, yeah. um, those are the memorable parts of this film. Because I hated what they did with, Bar- with, with Baron Mordo, another character, another great villain of the Marvel Cinematic oh, Universe that they dumbed down. Okay. Um, but I love, I love the giant man and Spider-Man debuts. Uh, yes, yeah, so much to love. I think this might be a little low. Yes, the villain ultimately is, you, you have to remember, like, how did the, all this go bad? And he, he's not, I mean, he connect, He made all this happen. He was the puppet master to the whole thing, and you hardly remember that. I also think while that, that middle fight between the Civil War that happened in, in the middle when they're fighting at the airport, super cool, but also it felt too much like a a joke at times like you guys aren't really going to kill each other here mm-hmm. and so they almost just had to like make sure that don Cheadle broke his back at the end and just to give it some weight um but yeah there's there's just awesomeness throughout this movie what were you doing instead of this movie Aaron? no i actually remember <laughs> this one there's lots of fighting in it <laughs> all right now to the top 10 all right number 10 spider-man homecoming i have it number 10 uh while i thought I was really skeptical of making the Vulture the villain, although he was Spider-Man's first villain. I was really skeptical of it. Michael Keaton, that scene when they're on the way to the prom and they don't know who each other are. And yeah. the and and the daughter is yeah. sort of the between them. And they yep. figure it out at the same time. That's really, really well done. Uh Tom Holland. See, I thought I thought Toby Maguire was a was a great Peter Parker and a weak Spider-Man. I thought Andrew Garfield was a really good Spider-Man. I just didn't buy him as Peter Parker. Tom Holland is Peter Parker as Spider-Man. That's yeah. that's what we watched. That's what we read. That's, you know, that's what we saw when we were kids. And and I love this movie and I'm not surprised it was as big of a hit as it was. And this is perfect execution in in terms of, uh, I mean, he was introduced in the big global civil war. Then they go small. Yep. And uh, in some ways, that's what Iron Man 3 did. It just kind of went on a personal tale about Tony Stark. And you don't think it was executed right here. It did the same thing. It went small about his life. And a, a, I mean, it ends up, I mean, spoiler alert, but that car ride because because of a fa- what we you and passing off yep. your daughter to somebody and that feeling out yeah i mean it, it was just perfectly executed and high school angst in yep. there and yeah it's great which was you know when stanley first created yeah. spider-man he was 15 years yeah. old and yeah. so they absolutely nailed yeah. that aaron are the spider-man movies supposed to be awkward like yes okay teenage okay. teenage angst teenage awkward okay. yes Okay, yeah. I did not see this one. I, I, that's why I didn't like the the original ones or the ones from earlier last decade because it was just too uncomfortable to watch. But I didn't see this one. I'm sure it's good though. So nine, we've there's really no huge need to go into. I know what you think. Thor Ragnarok. I just watched it again a week ago. Holy poop, man! I mean, really? It's just the too, use of too I, much. The use of Led Zeppelin's immigrant song. I I love everything about it. It's it's like a cross between it's got, you know, some of Doctor Strange's vibe and Stranger Things' vibe. Um I love the movie. I mean, Jeff Goldblum is fan freaking tastic in the movie. I 
we just all watched it again for family movie night. It, that's why, I, and I'm I'm reaffirmed. It was one of my ten best films I saw last year. I've, maybe I don't understand. He, he, he Jeff Goldblum is great in everything. To me, it just makes me laugh. But it just felt like he was being Jeff Goldblum. I, I yes, I, well, yeah. yeah, I know. But it just went over that they kind of lost its way for me. It was just having. I, I mean, and it to prove the point. It, it's just it's and really it's goofy not, here, 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 and then you get to the next movie the one we just watched the final Avengers film and that starts off just t- it takes off right where that leads off and it's bloodshed here's instantly. why here's why it's not Iron Man 3 in this film it ends with Thor has to be willing to sacrifice the things in this world he thinks are most important oh I agree for the things he ha- he learned are actually the most important I agree all Tony Stark does is just oh, I'm not saying it's 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 a terrible movie. I I just I don't connect with the. I'm in the minority. A lot of people just thought this was fantastic. I did not. Aaron, I haven't seen this one. I've I've seen I watched around the time that um, Infinity War came out. I watched a lot more clips. It looks like something I would want to. to you would watch, like this though. movie, yeah. Kate Blanchett is great. Oh yes, she's great in everything too yeah. that you see her in. Uh, Black Panther is at number eight not seen this one either. i think this is uh too high this is one i actually it, it, it's it's a good movie i it, it, it's just the fault of how great this whole series has been uh the bar in my mind was yeah, I think higher most, for this i think it's it, the most overrated film in the mcu but it's good but i think it's really good yeah yeah i, know. I just i just think it, i think because of the racial component there's projection happening here okay i think it's really really good mm-hmm. Um, but I also think it's the most, it's not anywhere close to the best film of the, another movie I just watched again recently. And I thought this is really good, but, um, this isn't a transformational moment. It's not a transcendent moment. I remember the fight where they fought and he had to give up his superpowers. uh, That was actually the most compelling fight. The last fight when they were both in costume and they, they needed a, a, a techie, I can't remember gimmicks to be the reason why mm-hmm. uh, Black Panther won, I was actually kind of bored by that fight. You know what bothered me when I watched it again is, A, the urban vibe that's in all the trailers. It's almost not in the movie that's at true. all. That's I wanted true. more of that. That's true. I, I liked, I thought that was, that's that was cool. That's almost nowhere in the movie. And two, this may seem weird coming from this podcast, I thought the film needed to be more political. Yeah, you said that. I yeah. think, th- I, I, I thought it had something with the, Kilgore is Malcolm X and Black Panther is Martin Luther King Jr. confrontation. I think they shorted us that. I would have liked to have seen more of that, actually. And I think they kind of copped out and were worried about... They kind of pulled a Trump Supreme Court pick last night. You know, they, they were so concerned they might offend white bread America that they didn't really tell the story that would have been the best story. So they kind of... They told a good story when they could have really... Made mm-hmm. a made a social point, similar to last night's Brett Kavanaugh, and, and you know they could have. It's not a bad one, but could have really made a statement and just chose to punt and not to. Guardian or Doctor Strange is number seven. Aaron, haven't seen that one. You need to tell me why. I really enjoyed it. If I, I probably put it a little lower. Uh, but two what, reasons why. Yeah. I've I loved this character as a kid because I was always into okay. the occult and mystical stuff, but. The quality of the this is the best cinematography in the MCU. 
the trippy visuals, oh, yeah. bringing the and and it's so important too because you got to make this mystic realm seem again similar to Thor. Right. You got to make this seem accessible. You have to make this seem attainable. Right. I really, I mean, I really liked, um, really liked uh, Doctor Benedict. Strange in Infinity War. Yeah. What's his name? Um, Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, yeah. Cabbage Patch Balderdash. Whatever. Yes. Yeah. I, it's he's a good. He's a the good. The millennials actor. now. The yeah. old. Uh, uh, he's the yeah. old cantankerous scourge whatever that guy's name is get off my lawn i don't know um guardians of the galaxy the first one number six this is probably a a little too high for me but not because i didn't like this is one i just expected like you've i i've never even i never had heard of guardians of the galaxy right how are you going to get me to care about this and again a talking raccoon uh, and a talking tree that you do and to understand moments like we talked about today on television there's so I, i i thought baby groot and Groot ever since has just been annoying. But the end for me, a powerful moment. We are Groot. I yeah. I mean, really, it's just it's perfect movie making. And I don't even understand. Is the I am Groot thing? Is that just cinematic? Is that all the way through the no, comic it's books? All the way through. It's all the way through. He's yeah. not saying I am Groot though. Yeah, that's no, just no. It, that's it's a, that's how we hear it. Yeah. I, I know that, but it, yeah. it's still it's an, an alteration. That says something incredibly uh, powerful. So uh, it's a fun movie. Agree with that. I'm glad it was in the top ten. All right, number five, Captain America: The First Avenger. Yes, I would put a, maybe a titch a tish higher, like four or three. But I'm trying to think who else you're going to bump out. So I tried to be by un, as unbiased as I could because this is my this has always been my favorite Marvel character is Captain America. Okay, so, but when you watch the movie, they just freaking nailed it. They nailed the Red Skull. They nailed the time period aspect of it, the period piece aspect of it. It just, it's a throwback. I love this movie. As far as I'm concerned, these top five are all interchangeable number ones there's no point parsing or arguing i agree wholeheartedly he is the one um he and spider-man are the ones from this from marvel that i go back uh, the deepest with i uh, and i think the 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 way they nailed the character his respect uh and his his patriotism Mm -hmm. without being remotely jingoistic Mm -hmm. is just outstanding the scene with tommy lee jones and they're doing the drills in the in the military barracks and she, and she throws a grenade out there. Um, and all the other big guys right. go running for cover. Yeah. And little's tiny Steve Rogers jumps on the grenade. Yes. To sacrifice himself for everybody else in the unit. Holy cow. That scene. When you saw that, you're like, they got it. That's captain America right there. It's not the suit. It's not the physique, it's the ticker. And that's what it you're is. You're describing another I the the speech between him and the doctor, the yeah. why me oh, it's fantastic. Yep. Yep. Number four, Iron Man, the first one. Well, you know, I already said it's it's remarkable how important Robert Downey Jr. is, how when you put into context how the two that came after that, the Iron Man movies just are at the bottom of this. And this one stands against the, all the other movies we're talking about. I mean, they had to nail it and they did. Yeah, I agree. I'm trying I know two of the next three, obviously. What else is there going to be? I agree with that placement. 
Well, number three, the first Avengers movie. Yeah. To pull off the first real giant ensemble. And to do it in a way, you know, you go back to the last couple of Batman films in the uh, the the old universe, uh, the Joel Schumacher films, where you were trying to figure out where Jim Carrey's great as the Riddler, but they had to have Two Face too with Tommy Lee Jones, and he's in there for ten minutes, and it's not doesn't do the character justice, right? And then Batman and Robin, where George Clooney's in there as Batman, and now you got Robin, now you got Batgirl, you've got Mister Freeze, and you've got Bane, and you've got Point. You can't. It doesn't work. You can't make all these characters work, right? And they managed to do it with. And this film is so well written. I can still remember so many. of This is Joss Whedon's peace de resistance when they're jumping out of the plane. And Captain America says, There's only one God, ma'am. Yeah. He doesn't dress like that. Yeah. I know. Okay. There's so many of those lines. When they land in the forest, yes. and Tony Stark looks at, is watching these guys, watching Thor. Yeah. Doth mother know? Yeah, yes. Okay. Yes. I mean, it's just so freaking smart. It is so smart. Uh, when Hulk shows up in the loft and just opens a can on yes. Loki puny god yeah it is it's just brilliant brilliant you, you were talking earlier today about uh, uh politics and how you like to be surprised mm-hmm. this is where i mean there were what there were the four movies about the main characters before this movie and that's it so mm-hmm. we're talking about a list of 20 it, i didn't think this was going to work i thought it was going to come across as a joke if it did we're not talking about a list of 20 it pretty much ends right there you might have another iron man's it, it i came across like it, that that is that is how you make a movie agreed it it was it was fun and the thing that i really appreciate about the avengers uh or the um yeah the avengers movies with the exception exception of the second one the first and the third one you could pretty much go into those movies and have a general sure uh understanding of the overall story arch but not have having seen everyone now i the advantage i had with uh, infinity wars is that i work for you and so i hear all of this stuff all the time so i get an uh, you know kind of more of an idea but I that's the thing we should see you buried the lead this is why you don't see the movies you don't have to you hear me yakking about it all the time <laughs> that's not what i was saying <laughs> but i had a little bit more of an advantage but i but all that is to say i want to you know to say that you can go in um and know moderately a, a little bit about uh, marvel and still enjoy the movie and not be confused all the time, with the exception of the second one. Number two, and I thought for sure this would never, ever fall to number two on my list. Because until this year, it was number one. And number one with a bullet. And one of the best comic book movies that's ever been made, like The Dark Knight, like Superman the movie, the first Richard Donner film, okay? And that's Captain America Winter Soldier. Captain America Winter Soldier is also, I think the best post 9-11 era morality tale film that Hollywood has made, period. In terms of the neutral way it portrays the liberty versus security debate. There are no straw men. There, there's, there's earnest motivations on both sides. Um, both sides are given a chance to air uh, why they why they're driven to do what they're doing? Um, it's just it's it's like it, you know I used to say about the Dark Knight if Al Pacino was in that film instead of Christian Bale and it was 
and it was about a cop, a gritty cop in New York City, and not a guy in a cowl, and everything else was the same, that would have won the Academy Award for Best Picture, right? This is like the French Connection or something, but with a guy that, that in a red, white, and blue suit. I mean, I think it's exceptionally well done. Not even just as a comic book movie. I think as a post-9-11 morality tale, it hits the bullseye, in my opinion. Well, this continues to be excellent for the same reason, I think, what I said about Captain America, the first Avenger, how it's patriotic without being jingoistic. Mm -hmm. Captain America is a patriot because he is not just a total sellout for the colors of the flag or the catchy tune. I mean, he's, he's starting to see... The, uh, There's a difference between conservatism and saying that, or patriotism and yeah, nationalism. Yeah. Yes, patriotism is yes. I love my country because of right. what it stands for. Exactly. Nationalism is I just love my country, right. ride or die. Right. And you see that play out in this. Movie. That's exactly right, Aaron. Um, I yeah, I I agree. The the commentary they provided in a somehow not ham fisted way. Just that alone, that Hollywood was able to make something that wasn't corny, that provided a good commentary on a hot issue without it being ham-fisted, that earns it, or earns it a spot at number two all by itself. And they did it with a a great actor, but one who, at times in his career with movies like Sneakers, has allowed his politics to get so ham-fisted in the film that it takes away from the storytelling in Robert Redford. And they managed to do that with Robert Redford in the film, they still managed to strike that balance without feeding either side's most biased or prejudiced or partisan narrative. I can't say enough good things about it, and it might have the single most badass scene. The elevator? The elevator. Yes. In 10 years, for 10 years, that scene right there, dude, it's just like a boss. I like the the kind of knowledge, the, the... the, the acknowledgement in there that, oh, it's on. It's going to yeah. happen right yes. here. And, yeah. There's like an enter the dragon yes. feel to oh, yeah. that, right? Yeah. So number one, and I hate recency bias, but I have Avengers Infinity War number one because to take, think about how long this podcast has right. been. Right. All of the themes we have touched on with these 19 films. Forget about making a great movie, integrating all of these into one. How about a coherent one? Right. Yes. How about one that you can even follow yes. and understand and make sense? And now you've got to introduce this yeah. whole other antagonist villain yeah, I know. with another A-list actor. And in order to get me to care about him, you've got to really make him the star. So that means you know you still got to figure out how am I going to make the other characters relevant while I'm introducing this whole new alpha dog in, in Thanos. And they absolutely pulled it off. Yeah. And just as Captain America Winter Soldier um, shows a very balanced political view, in many respects, Avengers Infinity War does what I wanted Black Panther to do. It goes there. Yeah. It doesn't pull up. Thanos is Thomas Malthus. He is Margaret Sanger. Now, it rem- maybe we'll find out in the next film that's not what they intended. And we might find that out. They may That may be when they do a pullback and try and turn Thanos into a sympathetic figure. I don't know if you guys have seen this. There's a Reddit forum of progressives, little social justice warriors, that have started this Reddit forum that's gaining huge steam. Thanos was right. There yeah. are too many people. Yeah. 
to our, our resources. Have you guys, you guys no. have not seen this story? Yeah, there was a bunch of reports about it over the weekend. No, I watched I watched a video on YouTube, and the guy was like, you know what? Uh, he he was he was uh, explaining Thanos, and he got into the mel. He totally recognized his Malthusian ethics, and he's like. You know what? He, he kind of had a point there. It's yeah. just like, what? And uh, the question that I always have that I've been trying to ask people um, is if Thanos is all-powerful, if he has the Infinity Gauntlet now, the completed Infinity Gauntlet, why didn't he just snap his fingers and create double the resources? Double the resources. Now, that would be because, a great... Because, and you know the re- answer why, and this is from the comics... He's in love with death. He's yes. literally in love yep. with death. That is true. Yeah. That that is that what that is his motivation is he is in the comics he is simply trying to impress death. That's why he does this. He wants that he wants to bet her. And this is what he thinks will woo her is to create death on this massive a scale. And there's no instinct other than that driving him. But Josh Brolin is terrific. The opening scene where Heimdall is killed, Loki is killed, kind of almost like a passing of the baton where Loki was really the original alpha antagonist of the MCU and it kind of created his evolution into anti-hero and and the torch is passed to, listen, here we had a conflicted guy with daddy issues, okay? That's what Loki was. Here, we just have a badass. We just have a black soul. He really believes in what he is doing. He is committed to this cause. He's not conflicted. He's convicted. He is, I mean, what does he say to Gamora? I'm the one, I'm the only one willing to do what must be done. And the way they put them all together, the ingenious idea of putting them off in pairs. So you mix the groups, they get them outside their comfort zone, but it's easier to integrate Four people, three at a time, then 12 people all at one time. It's just, it's the highest. This was short of rebooting, short of a Star Wars prequel movie where you're carrying that level of burden of expectation. This movie came with it for, for the Russo brothers, the greatest set of expectations of any film I can think of in my lifetime. And to not, and to meet those expectations and to do it while taking. 10 years and 19 movies of story tropes and putting them together into something coherent, let alone very good is magnificent guys. Totally agree. Um, I, as you said, you have to remember that this is part one of two. So to the degree that I have concern, like I, I, I think my, I have a hope on where Hulk goes, uh, but the whole, I, I, the banner narrative to me kind of went weak. Tony Stark, but I think it could also be a credibly compelling narrative. It goes where I think it could go and want it to go. And the best narrative, the most ingenious narrative, is what they did. We go back to the beginning with Robert Downey Jr. and Tony Stark. He became Iron Man uh, because he was abandoned amongst his enemies and all alone, and he had to figure a way out. And now he's abandoned on a planet god knows where and he's got a knife Mm -hmm. wound and he's gonna have to figure out what to do he's right back at the beginning Mm -hmm. i don't know how many i I haven't heard any commentary along those lines but that's what i saw and i thought that was an absolute stroke of genius he's once again just based on his wits got to figure out how to do something that not only saves himself but saves the universe that was absolute genius all right so let's close it out with this 
your prediction slash confidence level on where the MCU will go in its next decade? Aaron, I'll start with you. Um, one would be low, 10 would be high. I would put it at a three because it's been so good. Um, and naturally, things don't things that were good don't tend to get better. All right. There's, we learned that from Star Wars. Yeah. Um, there's there's only going down from here. I don't mean that to be depressing. The good news is, is that maybe DC will actually learn a few things from this chapter of Marvel. And maybe we'll have for the next decade, we'll have DC characters that we can actually enjoy. And Justice League movies that we can actually enjoy instead of tolerate. Um, but yeah, there's... I. Three would be my confidence level. He, he's right. I think, um, unfor- just for example, does any of us have any doubts that um, it's going to uh, inject a gay character pretty fast? In fact, uh, I have no idea about the comic book background of Captain Marvel other than what you've told me, Steve. I would not be shocked. Even if this is a fantastic finish with this last movie, I wouldn't be surprised if Captain Marvel is actually gay in this last yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, Carol Danvers is not a lesbian, by the way, in the comics, but what, yeah. that stuff doesn't matter nowadays. Right. I, Sulu, I, we learned, was gay. I mean, in the late... You I mean, they're yeah. going to make what they want to make. I, I want to be wrong about this, but you kind of get the sense, and Kevin Feige is openly saying this, that they kind of feel like they have made so much money and been so successful telling the stories that the audience wanted them to tell that they're now going to tell the story that they want to tell. You know what I'm saying? I do. And I think that, that, that they're done. They're kind of sending you a signal that they're more interested in, in serving the clientele they would like to have rather than the clientele that they actually have. You are correct. And, um, and now you do it when you're 10 years in and you've made billions of dollars and you're, you're kind of a dummy-proof company in a way. Um, but I hope I'm wrong. I want to be wrong. That doesn't mean, by the way, I don't, I, I don't require every film has a political message I agree with. I just got through telling you I wanted Black Panther to be more political. I thought I would have made it for a better film. There's a difference in being political, even to a certain viewpoint, and then being open and avowed agate prop propaganda uh where i'm condescending you i'm peeing on you and telling you it's raining okay that's that is what i fear will happen and i hope that i'm wrong um you're seeing it in the comic books even though they're they're losing money in the comic book industry for doing this to themselves they're quadrupling down because in their the the progressive hive mind just as a christian sees is, is is taught by christ to see persecution as evidence that there are uh, you know, that's a beatitude, right? That's evidence that you are on the narrow on the narrow road. They have their own version of that. The fact mainstream America doesn't want uh, a Muslim superhero, they see that as well. That's exactly why I get it to you because you're, you're just too bigoted and and, right. and racist to recognize what you want. And we're gonna give we're gonna show you. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I'm just not confident that I am or that any of us are. Gentlemen, this has been a blast. 
I'm Thank glad you we very do much. these things. Well, let us know what you think about what we think, other than this was too long. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Hey, hit that subscribe button there on iTunes and Stitcher if you haven't done so yet. Leave us a positive review if you have time. If you've already done that, thank you so much. Until tomorrow, John 317. Steve Dace. I like you.